This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. How does one represent the magnitude of an event of such gigantic proportions as the Holocaust? And anyway, who decides what the appropriate and sensitive way to portray it is? I wonder about this quite often, and certainly at times when I believe individuals, including politicians and advocacy groups, appropriate it for their own self-serving purposes. I'm delighted to have Dr. Liat Stier-Livni, Assistant Professor in the Department of Cultural Studies at Sapphire College and at the Open University of Israel, talk me through this difficult discussion. Dr. Stier-Livni, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Your research is focused on how the Holocaust is portrayed in Israel and uh, probably around the world. And you've written numerous articles on this topic. Um, how, just as a general question, how does one portray something so great as the Holocaust? Well, it has uh, various manifestations because when we talk about Holocaust memory in Israel, we talk about 70 years of memory, which has changed enormously over the decades due to uh, historical, cultural, social, economical changes in Israel, which always affects memory. And um, its manifestations has changed, whereas to the victims themselves, the perpetrators, the way we see them, the way we can identify with them. There has been enormous changes in Israel collective memory since the 40s until today. But what we can see from the early years of um, the when the state was established in 1948, and we can see it until today, is the subject that you talked about uh, in your uh, introduction, and this is the Holocaust appropriation, meaning the way politicians and public figures and so on use, and I would say misuse and even manipulate the Holocaust for their own agendas. And um, the most interesting thing that I found is that you don't find it in one specific political party or in one specific political side, but you find it in both sides. Both right-wing and left-wing have used the Holocaust and still use it for their own uh, agendas. And as I could see, in Israel you can find a critique about it in two different trajectories. You can find serious critique about it, meaning how dare you use the Holocaust for your agendas and so on. But you can also find a very prominent satirical critique regarding these topics in in which uh, satirists take this topic of Holocaust manipulation and politicization and so on and uh, show it in order to create a change in Israeli society, in order to stop this manipulation. And I have to say that since it continues on and on, they haven't gained much success over the last decades, but they still try. You speak about the Holocaust memory 70 years later. Has the Holocaust always been appropriated for some purpose? Always, not only now, but just because it's an appropriation that we feel comfortable with, it's allowed. Right. It has always been appropriated, but the amounts and the capacity had changed, meaning we can find, um, let's say, uh, a resemblance, a comparison that was made um, by public figures and politicians, a comparison between Arabs countries and Arabs and Nazis, and you can find it 
from the 1940s onward. I would just have to remind to our listeners that from the 1940s until 1977, the party that ruled Israel was called, was titled Mapai, and Mapai was a left-wing party. And you can find this comparison, meaning the Arabs are the new Nazis, under uh, the left-wing um, government and under right-wing uh, parties as well, meaning until the late 70s, both left-wing and right-wing had used this comparison, meaning the Arabs are the new Nazis. Now they want to demolish Israel, and we have to fight them with every power possible. What happened since 1977, this is very interesting, is that when the right-wing um, began to govern Israel, uh, the, wind, the wind had changed within the left wing. And what left wingers have done since the 1970s is that they left this comparison. They've abandoned this comparison of the Arabs are the new Nazis. And they've moved to other comparisons completely different. And in the contemporary left wing and extreme left wing in Israel uh, appropriation, you can find the following. You can find uh, right-wing politicians as Nazis that are portrayed as Nazis. You can find uh, how they portray IDF soldiers in the occupied territories as Nazis. And you can find comparison between comparisons between the Holocaust and the Nakba, meaning the Arab disaster of 1948. And you can find it in this cultural arena of Israeli culture right, while the right wing continues to duplicate this comparison between the Arabs and the Nazis. So the Holocaust is always here. But since 1977, each political side uses it for their own agenda. And the comparisons, as you can understand, are completely different, but they are all Holocaust related. The comparisons are equally, equally um, different. They're all Holocaust related, but are they equally offensive? And you're referring to how different groups, you know, use the, um, the Nazi um, terminology. But for me, I'm, for example, thinking during what we had in South Africa a couple of years back and is, and what we have called an Israel apartheid week on the campuses. And um, on that specific year, the BDS, um, the, the party that would like to see Israel boycotted, had pictures of Anne Frank wearing a kafir, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, which for us was extremely offensive and possibly more offensive than maybe just a Nazi kind of label. And perhaps you can explain our anger and, and the problems associated with it. Yeah, I think it's much more than offensive. I think it's very dangerous because when you compare the Holocaust to the situation in the occupied territories, which is uncomparable at all, we must say it. I mean, one can say that the situation in the occupied territories is horrible and that the Israel must uh, withdraw from the occupied territories. All is well, but this is not a Holocaust. Whenever somebody approaches me with this comparison, my answer is go and read some history books because you cannot compare the two. You can talk about uh, problems, about uh, the difficult things that are being done there. You can even say that Israel shouldn't be there, but this is not in no way, this is not a Holocaust. 
And when uh, somebody talks about apartheid as well, it's like taking a specific term, which was um, conducted in a specific place in a specific time, and throwing it on another problem, which is a national problem in Israel, which is, again, it is not the same. The problem is that when you call Israel an apartheid uh, country, and when you talk to Israel, when you describe Israelis as Nazis, in a way, you do not allow the Israeli state to continue on and live and thrive and, and so on. You want to demolish the Israeli state. And this is this uh, act is more than just uh, an aggression. This is a very frightening act. And uh, showing Anne Frank with a kafia or talking about Israelis as Nazis is extremely dangerous because when we talk about the younger generations, um, I can see uh, what the things that my daughters show me on Instagram and so on. We talk to the younger generations who don't have this historical context, who don't really understand what the state of Israel is, what the war in 1948 was, and they only hear about Israel as an apartheid state and then Israel is as a new Nazis, and they really believe it because they have no other historical context. So this is more than just a frightening act. This is a very, very dangerous act, which applies to the next generations. And the next generations will have no um, knowledge, accept it as is, as if Israel is a, an apartheid state. And my daughters tell me about what's happening, you know, in the youngsters' social media where Israel is considered cancelled, meaning this state doesn't exist. It is Palestine. And if somebody dares in coming to Israel and then hashtagging that he is or she is in Israel, they are titled cancelled within the youth social media. This is how dangerous this um, process is. So it's more than just annoying. It is a really, really dangerous thing, and we must fight it. And in my, this is only my feeling, I think that the Israeli um, foreign correspondents or who are uh, supposed to be in charge of the way we deal with these things in the world, they're not making such a great job in fighting these trends and these accusations. This is what I see in social media. We should work much, much harder. So these accusations will, I don't know, move away, turn away, um, that the youngsters will get a much more comprehensive context about the Israeli-Palestinian dispute and so on. By now, we are on the losing side. And I say it, um, and I really, really regret saying it, but this is the situation as I see it. You are correct. It's dangerous. It's um, offensive. But for me, the... It's also so incredibly hurtful. And I think that's what shocked so many people, specifically with Anne Frank, who for us is a symbol of the Holocaust and a, a, a positive symbol that had been inverted. And, and to come back to Holocaust appropriation, it was such in a way so malicious in its intent, but yet so effective. And maybe we can come back to the idea of Holocaust appropriation and how we pre prevent it from happening. First of all, it's very difficult from um, preventing it from happening because the people who are doing it are not only on the outside, but also on the inside. I mean, how can you talk about uh, stopping Holocaust appropriation when people inside Israel are doing it? It's, it's done all over in Israel and out of Israel. And if we talk about the Anne Frank 
uh, situation, again, the picture of Anne Frank with a kofia is only one example of a trend that's happening uh, in the last uh, two decades, especially in the last decade, where Anne Frank uh, is a sacred symbolic myth of the Holocaust is deconstructed in uh, social media in various aspects. You can find tons of Hulk of uh, Anne Frank jokes and Anne Frank memes. They're not only in a political sense, but only, uh, but uh, also as a slaughtering a sacred cow, meaning if Anne Frank is a sacred myth, let's laugh about it and then we'll slaughter this sacred cow. And um, you can find it uh, all over the place. And there are those who use it in uh, political terms, but many others use it in very other modes for ethnic reasons, just for plain jokes and so on. So the, the question is how we can stop it. Again, it's a very pessimistic uh, worldview I have, but I think that in a world of social media, it's unstoppable because the you know, before the Internet, there were those very well-known uh, collective memory agents. There were the teachers, the historians, the politicians, and so on. But in a world, in a world of Internet where every individual is a collective memory agent and you can post whatever you want and there is no censorship, um, let me just remind you that only now Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook have determined they won't, uh, Facebook won't allow any more Holocaust denial on Facebook. Well, thank you very much for remembering 2020, but there, there is a decade of Holocaust denial on Facebook going on, a decade of people just uh, trashing the Holocaust, claiming it never happened and so on. So in this world where everyone and everybody is a collective memory agent, I believe it is unstoppable because now we're fighting individuals, we're fighting algorithms, and it's a very, very difficult fight. And by mentioning what Facebook just did, maybe this is the answer within my very pessimistic worldview that all these big conglomerates like Facebook, Google, YouTube, and so on will decide that they're fighting it, that their algorithms are... Um, a train to finding it and uh, deleting it and so on. If they won't do it, I don't know how we as individuals can. I mean, we can, of course, talk about it and educate, and we do it every day. Um, me, myself, and others see it as our life mission. But again, in a world of algorithms, we have to use these big, huge companies like Facebook, Google, Twitter, Instagram, and so on to help us because if they want then we are in a very, very complex and bad situation. It's a sobering discussion, but one that I'm pleased we're having because it's only once we realize that the what are, what is happening and how orchestrated it is and how offensive it is that we can actually deal with it. So um, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I really appreciate your insights. And uh, we don't have time now to continue this conversation, but um, Dr. Stilivny, I'd love to have you again as a guest to talk about um, Holocaust memory and um, how it's portrayed, how the Holocaust has and continues and will continue to be portrayed. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much.